It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zanz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. No guests this week, but we do have a football game to recap. Steven, it was a lot of backups. It was a lot of meaningless football, but there's a lot of guys who are fighting for jobs. What did you think last night with the Jets versus the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it was, uh, what, 17 out of 22 starters uh, didn't play. Did get to see Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. Felt, you know, pretty good about, uh, about the showings that they had. Um, the game, uh, a little bit underwhelming, but I think you come away feeling all the reports from the joint practices with Atlanta leave you feeling pretty good about how the Jets performed, how their starters performed against, uh, against Atlanta starters. So overall, I mean, you know, the, the takeaway is they, they won. So that's good. They battled back in the second half, got to see Strebler. We'll get in more detail overall, though. I think, you know, you feel pretty good about getting the win and about just the reports that were coming out of joint practices. It's nice to see the Jets actually win one of those for a change. I know you were tweeting it out, too. It uh, seems like the last decade they haven't won a joint practice or haven't, you know, been the uh, the better team in joint practices for a long time. So how, how do you feel after last night, man? I mean, I didn't care as much about the game result. Obviously, like you said, most of the starters didn't play. I was at the uh, Badlands uh, during – tricking thing at alehouse and hoboken which is a good time thanks everybody who showed up and really thanks to the guys at profit exchange for the free pizza and teach everyone about their app that's coming out which we'll talk about more later um but overall i mean you didn't like what you would see from the first you know the first half you know mariota was kind of torching them granted most of the guys weren't starters i know bryce hall got cooked by kyle pitts which is not what you want to see but kyle pitts is probably going to cook a lot of dbs even guys who are better than uh bryce hall so it is what it is but what I do like is they did make adjustments. They changed kind of really their entire game plan in the second half once they put Straveler in, which I thought was awesome because I know he kind of stole the show because he just like had like this like moxie about him and everyone was like super excited, like saying this guy is the real deal. And honestly, and I, I put out my uh, you know updated roster predictions right now based on you know the guys who are the 80 left on the roster before they have to get down to 53. Um, I think he's going to make the team over Mike White. And I know people are like, well, why would you say that? Like, he's just like a camp body and like whatever, which is a fair point. But like, he brings more than what White brings. I think the athleticism is key. Like, you know, one thing Connor Joe touched on on Badlands today was he has the ability to be like a goal line quarterback where like, you know, they could bring Flacco off the field or Zach off the field if they wanted to and just have him go in there for a play to try to score like a two yard touchdown. But also, he, it just seems like he just has like that like it factor, and he kind of the, it seems like the locker room loves this guy, and like Salah was like glowing about him too. So like, it's a cool story. He's probably never going to do anything of substance for the Jets. I know Mike White had his one moment, but he's been very under underwhelming during this preseason, and even in training camp. Like everyone's been saying, he's been very up and down, mostly down, and he's had like a couple moments, but like we saw him after that game. I know he had like a decent start against the Colts. But in that Buffalo game, he was brutal. Mm-hmm. And he also, like, I know he threw four touchdowns in the Bengal game, but he also threw a lot of interceptions, too. I know, like, I don't want to brag on the guy, but he's a, he's the third quarterback for a reason. So I'm at the point where it's like, why don't you go for the guy who has a little more intrigue because of his skill set than the guy who's just going to, like, vanilla-ly run the offense? I know that's not really a word, but uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I think Strebler's interesting. I know, like, why are we <laughs> Chris Strebler, but – 
he actually made last night a little bit fun. So yeah. I was super intrigued by him. No, I think it's worth noting it. Uh, we came into the preseason saying that it, the Jets were, you know, we're going to see a lot of Mike White probably to showcase and maybe flip for a late round pick. And I think that's kind of transitioned to showcasing Mike White or giving Mike White a ton of playing time to see if he can actually, you know, hang on to that QB number three spot. And I think right now it's slipping through his fingers. Um, you know, Mike White's claim to fame specifically in that Cincinnati game was that he took the checkdowns and that obviously worked uh, for that game. After that, it hasn't really worked and honestly hasn't been able to even hit him. So you're right to run the, the offense, um, you know, in the manner that he does and to not really have any one thing to kind of grasp on that, um, you know, makes Mike White stand out. That's that's really tough. So when you're skill set is predicated on accuracy and hitting those and you're missing guys running wide open like Jeff Smith across the middle, which would have been six, that's problematic. So when you bring a guy like Strebler in and he shows that he can move the offense and that he's got that kind of one thing, which is his mobility and, and, and ability to extend plays or, you know, take off and run the ball, um, you know, that obviously kind of sets him, uh, you know, a little bit ahead of Mike White. So I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think clearly – um, you know, Sala maybe you know, Jack and Mike White up a little bit saying that, you know, we have three starting QBs in this team, but I think this decision is going to be very tough for them. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out, man. Come down to uh, when they have to get down to 53. Yeah, I think whether it's Mike White or Strebler, they have to keep three quarterbacks on the roster because essentially, like, you know, they're going to keep one of those guys for the beginning of the season because we're assuming Flacco is probably going to start the opener and maybe the second game. Obviously, any, anything could change based on how Zach's progressing. It seems like everything's been really positive. And I know um, Joe Flacco actually said after the game that Zach's been looking really good and like his, you know, he's feeling good and everything like that. So that's a good sign, obviously, as he continues to rehab his injury. Um, but I do think that this team needs to carry three quarterbacks just because, you know, Zach's already missed time in both of his seasons. Flacco, you know, he's 37. He's, 37 and you know he's could be one hit away from his career being over I hope that's not the case you know he's been a good consummate professional Super Bowl winning quarterback but I think this team needs to carry a third quarterback which is why I ended up putting Strappler as the third quarterback on the team but if it's white you know it is what it is I'm not gonna be like upset about it it's just like I like the intrigue of Strappler um going off more like fringe guys because there's not a lot to take away because the only guys of substance that we really got to see last night was like we saw Garrett Wilson for a little bit who had made a couple nice plays. We saw sauce, but nobody throws at him. So you don't even really yeah. know what to say, but he's clearly doing his job. If there are things happening against him, uh, we saw Brees a little bit, but I'm glad he didn't get too many carries because I don't want him getting hurt. He would be the guy that I'd be the most concerned about if they actually gave him significant time in the preseason, because he is a running back and he's going to get hit every time he touches the ball, especially playing behind a second string offensive line. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously Jermaine as well, but the one guy besides Trebler who was awesome and I think should make the team is Lawrence Cajun. Mm-hmm. He is a converted wide receiver. I remember reading about him for the first time in 2020 when the Jets obviously didn't have a preseason, so we didn't see him really ever play. But he was a guy who actually showed some things, you know, during camp as a wide receiver. Granted, that offense was terrible. The quarterback was not good either. But he was somebody that the beat – I remember Chris Nimble used to say on um, Play Like a Jet that – Cage always caught his eye and it seems like he's really developed his skill set because he obviously converted to being a tight end. But I think he makes the most sense as somebody that should make the team versus like carrying a guy like Wesco, because we think Rucker could do a lot of the things Wesco does as an H back. And it seems like Cage could be a hybrid where they can line him up out wide or obviously, you know, inside as well. But he was impressive, man. That touchdown was awesome. I was getting super pumped when he was running into the end zone. What yeah. do you think about him? 
No, I like him, and I think they should keep four tight ends. I think Wesco kind of showed last night, uh, you know, with that stupid penalty too, that he's he's probably he's on the out. He, he's on the outside looking in. I think Rucker could fill in for that H back role that Wesco held. Uh, I think Cager can kind of be that Swiss Army knife between tight end and wide receiver, which actually. Uh, probably gives you some flexibility at the wide receiver spot as well. So um, I know I saw your roster prediction. I think it's spot on. I think you're probably looking at, um, you know, the top four being uh, Wilson, Moore, uh, Berrios, and Corey Davis. And then you throw Jeff Smith in that mix as the fifth one. And then Cager can kind of be your sling guy between wide receiver and tight end. Knowing that both of those guys, uh, the, you know, last guy I mentioned, Jeff Smith and Lawrence Cager both play special teams. So I think Mims, Wesco are guys on the offensive side that are probably on the outside looking in uh, when this team gets down to 53. It's going to be tough, but man, that 2020 class is looking bleak at the moment. <laughs> it's horrible. I also left Ashton off the list and Zanigo off the list, but I do yeah. think if they get rid of some of those guys, they could like Zaniga could be a practice squad guy. I definitely sure. think from a depth standpoint, but like, man, doing the defensive line was so hard because there's so many guys that could be a flip of a coin. Like I remember in our chats, I was like, and they should probably make the team. He had a great return for a touchdown um, yet last night, but I feel like Solomon Thomas is that guy because we talked about it earlier. I feel like he could be the guy because of his history with solid. He coached him for three years in San Francisco. You know, he's mm-hmm. a former number two overall pick or whatever, or number three overall pick with San Francisco. So I think that he could be the guy who gets a little bit of an edge because of the history with the head coach. I mean, maybe they don't think he's anything and he's just a bust, which is kind of what it seems like, but I kind of felt that's maybe would give him the edge. Um, I also had, because I had Mims on the outside looking in as well, Irvin Charles, who, he had a couple catches last night, nothing really crazy, but he has been somebody that I've heard good things about and been reading about, you know, during camp. And the reason why I put him on the roster is people and Michael Meekin, you know, you're, this is you, he, we, they only have small wide receivers. Corey Davis is the only guy who's like, you know, six, three, six, four, Garrett Wilson's like maybe a generous six, one, probably more like six feet. And then the other guys are all under six feet, which is obviously mm-hmm. an issue. So they do need that big body guy. So that's why I, I lean to Irving Charles. He's younger than Mims, you know, more unproven. He, you know, it seems like they kind of, they really like him. And I think Mims, hopefully they could fetch maybe a, like a seventh round pick from at this point, because his value is close to none. It's, it's actually insane. And I was so high on him and it's so disappointing. And I feel, I feel for the guy. It seems like it just never could really click for him. But um, do you yeah. have anybody that you think could be a surprise guy who makes the roster? I think, honestly, Zonovan Knight is the one, and I know last week we talked about this on uh, on the show with Jake, where I really had a hard time seeing the team cutting uh, Tevin Coleman. I know what he means to that running back room. I know clearly what he means to guys like Sala and Michael Floor. Uh, being in that offense for so long, uh, having two Super Bowl appearances under his belt. I know that that's something that the rest of the young guys in that in that room um, looked to and kind of spoke upon as, as that's a big deal to have that experience there. So I, I think they'd have a tough time cutting Tevin Coleman, but I think Zonovan Knight um, looks really good, honestly. And I think he'd be a kind of a, a very good complimentary uh, third back there, especially considering Tevin Coleman's injury history and the fact that I, I just don't think you could hit twice on that. Him having a semi-healthy year last year, He's probably due for an injury this year. I know they're not going to you know, look like that, but um, that's the one that I'd be very interesting to see. And then you flip to the defensive side of the ball. I think you spoke about it. Uh, safety is interesting uh, to me. I don't know how Ashton Davis is going to shake out. I think it looks like, um, you know, obviously Jordan Whitehead's going to start. LaMarcus Joyner's kind of penciled in. But the fact that it's really wide open for that other safety spot and we haven't heard a single thing about Ashton Davis, I think tells you all you need to know. 
right? And I, I know he got in late uh, in the game yesterday, you know, and that's uh, it's just mildly concerning for a guy. So that just speaks even more to how that 2020 class is extremely questionable. At this oh, point. man, I've, I'm cutting my losses. I'm like out on everybody. Basically, it's Brady Man and Bryce Hall at this point. Maybe Zaniga, yeah. but like it's just yeah. – it's tough because the, the, the Ashton thing has always just been perplexing to me because the, the biggest thing that I heard was his athleticism and speed. And I, I, I'm not a scout, man. I, I can't watch with those eyes, but I've just never seen it. It doesn't translate to when you watch the games. He takes bad angles and he looks slow. And yeah, he's caught a couple of interceptions, which is, has been good, but it just doesn't, it doesn't translate when I watch it. He doesn't look like a player to me that belongs in the field, especially as a starter. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I, I totally agree. I think just Ashton's just, it's, it's just hard, man. It's like you, you like, you were intrigued by the athleticism when they picked him, but it seemed like he was just more of a project. He was like an athlete trying to be a football player, not a football player who was trying to be an athlete. So it's, it sucks because you're just like, all right, basically this is like a McCagden draft class and you don't want to, you know, get to that point. But I want the best possible guys in this team that can contribute and not look lost when they're out there. And for the most part of his Jet career, I know he was hurt a little bit as a rookie and obviously recovered during the offseason last year. So this is like his first real training camp. But he mm-hmm. really has failed to impress. And you got to just cut your losses at a certain yeah. point. And I'd rather have a guy like Pindock, who I thought looked really good in the Buccaneers game – at when he was playing safety versus when he was playing corner. So like, I'm totally fine with taking rolling the dice there. And then obviously Will Parks, who had like the hit of the night, that was such an awesome hit. Like that's what you yeah. want to see. You want to see your guys just playing hard. And he's obviously been having a good camp because they have been saying a lot of good things about him. So I do think that the safety room is going to shake out as Whitehead, Joyner, Parks, and Pinnock as of now. But I do, I yeah. think Ashton's possible because of his, his uh, specials, but mm-hmm. you know, Maybe the, Joe Douglas would be like, hey, let's just wipe this craft class clean. I messed up. 21's good. 22 is probably going to be good. So let's just see. <laughs> yeah, I know it. What about you? Is there any other any other people that you think are either surprise cuts or surprising going to make the team? Um, I'm going to pull up my, my predictions. Uh, surprise cut. I actually realized I cut McDermott, but I forgot that it's he's hurt right now. So yeah. it's like I wasn't really like, thinking about it. So that was a surprise cut. I actually would maybe retract that and switch um, what's his face, Herman, because I, I just forgot about him. And I know that the staff likes McDermott. Mm-hmm. Um, at linebacker, I had CJ, I had Quan, Quincy, Sherwood, and Hamza. Hamza yep. was actually a guy that I was very on the fence with. I like his potential, but he kind of showed next to nothing last year. I think Sherwood was the better of the two. But I do think they need some depth behind Quincy, CJ, and Quan. So that's why I ended up keeping him on the roster. Um, but I think for the most part, nothing's really too surprising. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Feeney got cut, but they did bring him back. So it's like if they weren't going to bring – if they didn't re-sign him, that probably – if they didn't want to pay him, they wouldn't have re-signed him. Yeah. So I don't think he's yeah. going to end up getting cut. And I think the locker room really likes him. But he would be somebody that would be interested to see if he actually does get cut because he's not very good. <laughs> but – I, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I remember DJ on our show last year was like, they're paying him $3 million. That's why he's on the team. So exactly. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> he's a fun character to have around. Like I get it, but uh, he was not good when he played last year, but um, 
either way. I know, you know, it's, it's tough. I go back and forth preseason. I really, you're hyped to watch Jets football. It's great to see him back. Um, you have to continue to remind yourself that it really means nothing. I always Zero. go back, you know, yeah, we talk about nostalgia. I think if I can remember correctly, the Jets were 4-0 and in the preseason in 1996 when they went 1-15, and then they were 0-4 in 98 with Parcells, and they went 12-4 and and won the division and went to the conference championship. So it doesn't matter at all, right? Um, but as we look ahead to the last game of the preseason in the Giants, and I know that Salah came out and said that uh, the starters will see some action uh, this week. I think it is probably to be debated how much. Um, but what are you looking to see out of the final preseason game and before we uh, we, we – <laughs> turn our attention towards 9-11 and the Jets' first game? Zero injuries. That's all I care about. I don't even care if Joe Flacco looks good or he looks bad. I just I, – I don't want anything hurt. We already saw Zach go down. We saw Makai go down, even though it was in practice, not in a game. Just no injuries. That's the key. I mean, you know, it's the Snoopy Bowl, as they say. So you just – you you like to stick it to the Giants, but it doesn't mean anything. And I just – yeah. I just want this team to be fully healthy going into week one. It's all you can really ask for. The Jets have never really had that luck. But that's really the main thing. What about you? What's like the one thing you're looking to see from this Giants game coming up? Yeah, honestly, I'd like to see um, the starters and and how they do, particularly on offense. So we can get because really I got excited listening to or, you know, reading about how the Jets performed against Atlanta. And I know Atlanta isn't expected to be anything great this year, but still it's an NFL team. So hearing how they performed on Thursday, Friday when they had joint practices, that was exciting or maybe it was Friday, Saturday, either way. Um, and it's exciting to see, you know, how we're hearing that Flacco is is running the offense and how good it looks. And they have weapons at their disposal and, you know, they got tight ends and receivers receivers man in a running game and I think they got a solid offensive line so I'm kind of excited to see you know if you get uh the starting weapons out there all at the same time Elijah Moore Corey Davis Garrett Wilson to me Garrett Wilson's like our kind of shiny new toy and I that you know listen it was a eight yard catch he had last night but just seeing the hand strength and him kind of changing angles to go get it and and you know the the catch radius out of him that was amazing I know he's had some drops in uh in in practice but I can look past that just seeing guys like that all together um knowing what this could mean for week one against Baltimore that's what I'm really excited about because I really do think this offense has a chance to be um surprisingly good come uh come September and, and for this season it, it's funny because, like, obviously we have where the Jets goggles, which we I, I'm yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I love that phrase from you, and we think that this team's going to be better than people expect, but they're really not getting a lot of love in the national media. Like, I'm, I don't really know how I feel about it. It's like you can either, A, take it as, okay, sleep on us, I don't really care, or you could take it as, like, no one respects this team. But, like, at the same time, do you blame them? We haven't really earned the respect. And that's why I was so keen on the fact that they kind of like beat up on the Falcons because 
they were showing that they were the better team. And that's mm-hmm. what we want. That's what we want them to be. We want them to be on Sundays where there's times where you're like, we just were the better team on the field where it's like last year, I guess you could say they were the better team on the field when they played the Texans and the Jaguars. They probably weren't the better team on the field when they played the Bengals and the Titans. They just were the better team that day, but the better mm-hmm. team on the field, you know, you want to be you know, overmatching in, in your different matchups. And I was thinking about this. It's like the Jets are playing the Giants this week. How many positions would you say the Jets are better than at the Giants? Quarterback, I'm going to say is a toss-up because Daniel Jones has been inconsistent. Zach Wilson, we really don't know what he is. So I'm not even going to yeah. give either team the edge there. Running back, from a top-to-bottom standpoint, Jets. But obviously, Saquon has the most proven track record, but, but that's, he hasn't been that, that guy for track two years. record is, is one season, right? Well, he had a 1,000 yards second season. I was looking at this because there's a lot of hype around him. So that's a yeah. good thing. Okay, wide receiver, definitely Jets. Jets, Just, yeah. I mean – Kenny Galladay, like he's he might, like if he wasn't making so much money, he wouldn't make the team. That's the only yeah. reason he's going to make the Giants. Kadarius Tony, flashy young player, but we really don't know what he is just yet. Banking on potential. Yeah, and then this guy Colin Johnson, who's a rookie, and Waldo Robinson, who's also a rookie. You don't really know yep. what they're going to be. Tight, Tight ends. ends, Jets, not even close. <laughs> offensive line, Jets. I love hearing that. Yeah, offensive line, Jets. Um, what are we missing here? D line, D line, probably Jets, but yep. I would say Leonard Williams. It's probably the best lineman of any either team combined, unless Carl Lawson was of his potential. But overall, would, the Jets have a better D-line. Yes, from top to bottom. Yeah. Linebacker, Giants. If the Giants have better linebackers yeah. than the Jets, because Jets linebackers stink. Corner, probably Jets now, but if they mm-hmm. had Bradbury, I probably would say Giants. Yep. Safety, probably the Giants. Yeah. So let's well, think about that. Yeah. And it hasn't been the case for a while. I know no. that the Giants aren't exactly the bar, but like, it's still good, and you're going to see that they're they're having a joint practice this week. Like, let's see, can they be the second week in the row where they're the better team on the field? Should be. I, I know the Giants it. obviously are in like a weird spot where you don't know like really what they're going to be. Could they be a team that's really just kind of thinking about next year and punting on the year? It's a new general manager, new head coach, or they're a team that's trying to win because at the end of the day they're trying to establish something and build something. So yeah. I would love to see the Jets beat up on them too because. And, and that was something that I'm a little pissed about because Zach Wilson didn't get the opportunity to be part of these joint practices and really show yeah. what he's made up against another team. But uh, yeah. are you looking to see anything from those joint practices against the Giants this week? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's it. You want to see the Jets kind of come away and obviously you'd love to see him dominate, but you just want to see that, the, you know, the fact that they're winning more than they're not. Um, and, and really when they go against live competition, and that's kind of what we're hearing. And I think that's more of the, argument to eliminate the preseason altogether is that the players coaches get more out of these joint practices and they do the actual preseason games so that's what I'm looking to see is just everyone to continue to look sharp um, for the Jets offensive line to continue to hold up for their defensive line to get after the quarterback those are the types of things that I'm looking to see and obviously for everyone to remain healthy definitely health is key I just want to go into this with everybody equipped for week one Obviously, yeah. the Ravens are going to be a challenge. I'm not saying they're just going to win the game. Probably not going to pick them to win the game, even though I'll probably talk to myself into it on Sunday morning <laughs> when, they, when I'm on my way to the stadium. But I realistically think that they will lose the week one. But I, I'm, like, quadrupling down that they will beat the Browns. Like, if you cannot beat Jacoby Brissett, I don't care. It's Zach yeah. Wilson. It's Joe Flacco. It's even Chris Stebler. you got to beat Jacoby Brissett. He stinks. I, I, it's, yeah. That's just not – I. Because then you're in a, you're in a huge hole. Because then you're facing potentially zero and three. Obviously, Joe Burrow and the Bengals coming to town. That's just like a terrifying thought, you know. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. just, you can't get to that point. Like we we we've talked about this at nauseum, and I hate bringing it up again. But it's like no more winless September. Like two and two, yep. two and two. I, I get there. 
I know. Two and two is what you have to come out of September at. I have a sneaky suspicion they're going to beat Baltimore week one. I don't know choke, what it is. Choke, I just choke black over revenge game. <laughs> I just have a feeling the stars are going to align. They're going to come out smoking and they're going to beat Baltimore in week one. It's going to be close. They're not going to kill them. I just have this sneaky suspicion that that's what's going to happen. Maybe I don't know what it, I, I just have a good, I have a good feeling about this year. Um, I'm not going to let the preseason and kind of how they've come out the, you know, the first half of each of the first two games sway me from that belief. I hate buying into this stuff, but I really, I just do. And every player is talking about how it just feels different this year. I'm yeah. buying in, man. I see you don't, I do. I've, I've been a Jets fan too long, but you've seen these things. I think I really do. I think it's changing. And I just, I got a feeling they're going to come out smoking and beat Baltimore week one. I, and there's no other reason for me to think that. And it's just a, it's just a hunch and a feeling I have based on 36 years of misery. And I finally feel like the tides are turning. Listen, eventually what goes down must come up and vice versa. The Jets have been so far down that you think that eventually it's going to flip, mm-hmm. but I need to see it to believe it. I, I believe in this roster. So I'm actually going to peg you this because I had this conversation with my dad uh, yesterday that I basically was like to him, I'm at the point if they don't show significant progress and you're probably going to say it's very surprised. I'm going to say this. And I was telling Joe this also when we were at the ale house last night, if they really don't show significant progress and I'm saying like, if they're at like four wins, five wins, but like, it's just not looking good. It's like kind of like lucky into it. I am completely, everything is on the table. Get rid of the coach, get rid of the quarterback, get rid of the general manager. I think there's no excuse for them to not be pushing towards eight wins. Mm-hmm. I understand the AFC is tough. There's going to be teams that are going to regress downwards. It just happens. Every single year you see bad teams end up being better and you see good teams end up being worse. The Titans are the, t- are the king team that I believe is going to regress because they don't have A.J. Brown anymore. Derrick Henry is another year older, even though I'm a huge fan of his. They're a type of team I think that can regress. I think the Jaguars could ascend. It's just there's no excuse. I don't, we don't even play in the AFC West. We don't play them, and we're not in that division. The only team we play is, is Denver. That's it. And I, I think they're a little bit overrated. I think the Chargers are the best team in that division from top to bottom than Kansas City. What do you think? I agree. You can't like you can't sit here in August and say that the schedule is going to be the problem. Like the schedule is the schedule, and every other AFC East team plays the same teams that we do, uh, minus a couple, right? So it's not like you play Seattle. They stink. They you, could be the you, worst exactly. team in the league. Like, you have to play the teams in front of you. Listen, it was a tough AFC last year too, and you know what? The Bengals went from last place to first place in a Super Bowl appearance. I'm not saying the Jets have to do that, They're but every year, that. Te- every year, teams surprise, and every year, teams fall. So it's you got to play the teams in front of you. So the schedule is just, it's, it's a non-factor. Like it ha- you have to play the teams that you have to play regardless of how they fall playing the AFC North all in the you know first four games. So be it. Okay. Beat the team that's in front of you. All that matters is that one game at that time. So the excuses are out the window. So that's my thought on the schedule and on the tough AFC, but I a hundred percent agree with you. If this team, this team is built to win seven, eight, nine games, they're built to make significant improvement over last year. So if they're only at four five wins come the end of 22, everything's on the table. You are absolutely 100% right. Because that means that every barring significant injuries across the board, which is yeah, not out of the, okay, that's we're different. not out of the woods on that because of the, because of the jets. However, if, that is the actual case, then you are absolutely 100% correct because that means that GM, coach, and quarterback were all failures. You know what? Because they've, one... built, they've built this team talent-wise to be able to lift the quarterback up. They should yeah. be competitive. The one thing I've seen from a lot of people on Twitter recently, and I don't agree with it, is like, like if Zach isn't the guy, I still think Joe Douglas and, and uh, Robert Sala should keep getting another shot. 
Joe Douglas should not get another shot. I'm sorry. Like, I've liked a lot of the moves he's done the last two years. How many years are you going to give this guy? His record is atrocious. Like, yeah. the, the 2020 class is terrible. So that's already an L yeah. on his resume. 2021 is good. He's made some good trades. But, like, if it doesn't equate to wins, what are you doing? It it's like it's like he has, like, the best PR in the world. Like, I, I like Joe Douglas. He's easily been the most competent GM they've had since Tatum. I'm not that saying anything because – the last yeah. two in between them have been atrocious, but like it's, you have to see the results on the field. It's a results business. It's not, you know, Oh, next year it's coming. It's coming. No, 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 no. no. Like, you have I mean, to, his... you have to like, uh, that's why I'm yeah. like, how could someone realistically say to themselves, if this team wins five games, unless everyone got hurt and they like somehow got to five games and it was like a miracle. How could you say that they should run it back? How? There's no reason. You like you can't. It's, it's as insane. good as as good as we think Joe Douglas is, right? We're still like I just said about you know Kadarius Tony or Saquon Barkley. You're you're banking on potential because the reality is he's six and twenty seven with the teams that he's assembled as a GM. Yeah, that's not good. No, <laughs> that's, you've won six out of thirty three games. You know that's that's not good. So his teams they, have they never have won to... a September game. Think yeah. about it. It goes back to eighteen. He and, wasn't the general manager yes. then. And they've been out of it by October. So it's bad news across the board there. For I Joe guess Douglas, 2020, 2020 was a complete wash. He wasn't trying to win. He was trying to really build uh, for the future. Nah. When you think I about mean, the strap class, he'll sabotage Adam Gates. Yeah, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, he, not inconceivable you, you, can't, you can't tell me that he didn't go. I mean, you can make the argument that he went in building a team for an Adam Gates Adam Adam Gase coach team and an Adam Gase staff you can you know you can sell me on that but you can't sell me that he, he tried to sabotage the guy because he knew he was looking at I'm, I'm, I'm kidding a little I know bit, but, but I, yeah <laughs> but the thing is like when you see what those rosters that, that those uh players are how many guys from that 2020 team are like anything at this point think about it Frank Gore oh. retired Joe Flacco is now our starting quarterback. Yeah. Uh, P. Ryan probably on the way out. Zaniga on the way out. Maybe they trade him. I don't know. But, like, there's so many guys that were just terrible. They're on that team. And I get it. He was trying to really build from the ground up. But, like, I'm just tired of this narrative that Joe Douglas should continue to get a pass. It's like, how much – like, I, I know Joe and Connor haven't said anywhere, but it's like, compete or F off. Like, it's like, come yeah. on. That's it's, it. Everything should be on the table if they're not, like, you know, eight – nine wins. I mean, seven, I can live with seven, but like, I would be a little sour because most likely if they were at seven, there were probably a game or two that they could have won that they didn't win. Um, we have to talk about the kick, the kicking competition. I know that was something that we talked about before the show, but uh, what are your thoughts on zero line? I'll, I'll pass it to you first and then I'll chime in a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, I'm surprised. Uh, I like it, but I'm surprised. I feel like surprised? Um, for, really? uh, I am, I am. I just, I feel like for the team that they're kind of assembling, I thought they would have went for the safer, more automatic guy, even though he didn't have the leg to make it from like 50 plus, you know, from a golfing reference, I think, you know, Panero is kind of the guy that can hit the ball consistently 200 yards down the middle of the fairway and be the safe bet to make par bogey every time. And Zerline's kind of like the guy that can maybe hit at 350, but he might slice one into the woods. Uh, but he could also give you the, you know, the potential to uh, put one on the green on that, you know, dog leg over the trees. And he's got that home run ability, you know. So I just thought the way that this team kind of shook out and, and points are going to be um, at a premium. So getting that safer bet 
uh, you know, a guy that could hit it from, you know, 40 or let's say 49 and in, um, not that much of a wild card, more of a low risk, low reward, as opposed to Zerline, who's obviously a higher risk, higher reward. I thought that was going to be the safer pick, but all in all, I am, uh, I'm glad that Zerline uh, is the pick because I kind of like that. I think um, when you have a young team like this, um, you know, second year quarterback, I think having a guy that can bag it in for 55 yards out is, is something that you, uh, you probably want. What are your thoughts? Happy with it. Like you said, I, I thought Eddie actually did a pretty good job considering the kicking situation before him last year. So, like, you know, best of luck to him. Obviously, if something happens in our line, they should bring him back immediately. But I'll, I'll tell you why I like the, you know, going with Zerline over Eddie, who's a little bit younger. Uh, one, he had seven consecutive years with one team with the Rams, which is great. You want somebody that a team relied upon. Obviously, he went to Dallas as a free agent, and then they cut him, obviously, after this past season. So you're like, oh, why they cut him? If a guy gets cut, it's like there's a reason they cut him. I know we talked about before the show that he had a case of the yips, couldn't make his, his uh, PATs, but I think that that's something that's very correctable. The other reason that I like him, in addition to obviously being on a team for a while and being reliable, he's kicked the team to go to the Super Bowl. He kicked the game winner that sent the Rams to the Super Bowl when they, uh, I guess, lost yeah, they lost to the Patriots that year in 2019. So it means the guy is able to kick a clutch kick when you need it. So I, that's why I feel good about it. I mean, I you know we really haven't had a consistent kicker for a long time since Nick Folk. I know obviously Jason Myers was good for one year, but then they, they let him go. But – at the end of the day, I feel comfortable with Zerline. It's not like they're going with an unknown like that guy, Vivek or whatever his name is. I can still hear that doink in that 2019 home opener again. Just sitting on that side of the field when he just shanked it so bad. And I was just like, I don't feel good about this game. And then, of course, it was an epic collapse when they're up 16 nothing. That mm-hmm. that was just that just left a, like a dark cloud over me. It was it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, Kari Vedvik, what a throwback. Oh I love my that. God. It, that was that was tough. Because it was that game was just crazy because he missed those kicks and then they go for two and then uh, yeah. Sam has that crazy like scramble and he just throws up the levy on Bell and just goes right into his heads. Crowd goes crazy and it's just I know it, man. It was you know what you think about. I, I always think about stuff like this, like how different the trajectory of everything could have changed on that one game. Like who knows. Seriously, maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're eight, eight, is, if they, is, they're eight, eight, not seven to nine. Ex- exactly. <laughs> I mean, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, like had mono symptoms that game. So he's still going to get mono and stuff, but it's just weird to think like what happens. And, you know, if the bills lose, what happens to Josh Allen there? You never know. It's just everything. It's, it's, you know, everything happens for a reason. So I guess we should be thankful because case is now long gone. We're, uh, we're moved on. <laughs> oh my God. So thank you, Corey Bedvick. <laughs> I mean, honestly, thank God we were not doing the show during the the Gase era. <laughs> I, that was the most low I've ever felt tough. as a Jets fan. It was like mid, like peak pandemic when things weren't open and it was just miserable. Yeah. And just that guy was the coach. I was like, the best thing about him is they had to wear a mask. I was like, I don't have to see his face. I guess that was like the one good <laughs> he thing. He used to I'm, wear it up here. I know. <laughs> so oh my bad. God. He's staring to the play sheet every week. But uh, let's not talk oh about Gase. That's just, yeah, it's, it. it's, it's, ugh, it's bad. That's like Kotite for you. Cause like I was yes. really young when Kotite was the coach and I don't Dude, remember. You always paint me to be this old guy, man. Like I was only 10 and 11. When Kotite all right. Was but like you remember Richie Kotite better than me. Like I, all he had, I'll say this. He had the drip. He had the sick, like uh winter jacket. They wear those, those crazy glasses in the hat. It, but like it drove coach. my, it drove my dad nuts because Leon Hess, when he introduced uh, Rich Cote, said, you know, he's a D's and Dems kind of guy. And that's what I like about him. Oh and it's, <laughs> what the hell does that even mean? 
Man, thank God he followed up and said, you know what? I screwed up. I screwed this up so bad. Let me go get Parcells. And that changed the course of the franchise for the next 15 years. Happy happy belated birthday to Bill Parcells. He turned 81. I know. I know. Yeah, he's probably up in Saratoga, man, enjoying his time up there. He loves it up there. He's probably saying the Jets stink. I'm happy I left that place. <laughs> I, I remember the end of the the Bill and Bill documentary when they started making fun of the Jets. I was just like, do they was, really have to slip that in there? You know what? Parcells had some good years here. That it bothered me that they did that. It bothered me that uh, you know they Belichick didn't want to walk in the Jets locker room and Parcells didn't want to go in there either because of that. It was weird. I didn't like that. Show some love. I know, like Leon you, Hess gave you everything you wanted, man. Come on. I know, and you almost went to the Super Bowl. So it's like mm-hmm. it is what it is, but. Uh, yeah, it was a light week, I would say. Obviously, there was the joint practices, but, like, I would say overall from the preseason, it wasn't much to take away from. I mean, like, we saw, obviously, Bryce Hall got cooked, which wasn't fun. But at the end of the day, let's just get through this week and then hopefully get to week one with no injuries in practice. Yeah. It's like the one thing you forget about, like, sometimes injuries do happen during practice during the season. It's very yeah. rare, but it is possible, and I just mm. – want this team to be uh you know as you know fully loaded as possible for lack of a better phrase but uh is there any uh closing thoughts Stephen, before we uh we cap this show uh let's see cager up streveler up mike white down ashton mm-hmm. davis down bryce hall way down so he's making uh, the team though he's, he's, not... making, he's making the team but i think it's a it's a safe thing to say is that Eccles has, has surpassed i'm sorry yeah Eccles has surpassed him as uh, the third cornerback on this roster. But we'll see how things shake out, man. I'm excited for uh, joint practices again. Like you said, I think I think the Jets are the better team here. So I'd like to see kind of second week in a row of the Jets um, kind of showing their strength and, and winning these joint practices. And then let's close up with uh, injury-free preseason game three and get our way to, uh, to week one against Baltimore, where I think the Jets are going to come out victorious. Oh, man. From your lips to God's ears. Crazy thing is, as bad as the Jets have been, they haven't lost a preseason game uh, since Adam Gase's first season. I know 2020 there was no preseason but went undefeated in the preseason last year won their first two this year are See? they on the are they on the trajectory just, of the Ravens streak 23 in a row or 21 in a row proof that the preseason does not matter at all <laughs> I said this to Joe last night the reason why you should never buy into anything in the preseason the Lions that went 0-16 went 4-0 and the Patriots that went 16-0 went 0-4 so that's See? everything you need to know about what the preseason there it is. means and uh, what's his face? Joe Benigno always would say, non-alcoholic beer. That's a perfect yeah, way to describe it. Is. Because it's like, what's the point of it? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're, we're getting a little delirious here. But um, thanks, everybody, who's been tuning in. We appreciate all the support on both, you know, this YouTube feed as well as our new podcast feed. Please subscribe, rate, review on Apple or Spotify. We appreciate everybody who's done so, so uh, since we launched back in July. Um, obviously, if you guys listen to us or you're a Badlands, turn on the Jets, uh, fan, fan loyalty, uh, keep an eye out for the Profit Exchange app launch. For anyone who doesn't know about that, it's going to be super cool. It's anyone who likes to bet on sports, but you're actually going to get the ability to, you know, actually bet on odds that you want and different spreads that you want, which is cool. Uh, I think there will be more information coming on that you know, later in this week. Um, but yeah, we appreciate the support and we look forward to talking to everybody next week.